uniting the body of Christ, equipping and empowering ministry leaders. You're listening to the Convergence International Podcast. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome. This is Tim Brennan with Convergence International. We're excited to have you join us once again as we continue to explore exactly what is Convergence and Convergence International. And and so there's really four areas of Convergence four areas that we see that God has really highlighted to us in this moment, that uh, things that he's wanting to do in the church, uh, places of unity that he's wanting to uh, bring about in the body of Christ in this hour and in the days to come to accomplish what he's desiring to do upon the earth. And so last time we were together, we talked about the convergence of the body of Christ. If you haven't uh, listen to that episode. I encourage you to go back and take a listen, and I, I trust that it will it, that it will be encouraging to you, challenging to you, and help us all to grow in our relationship with one another to accomplish what God desires to do in our lives as we walk in unity with our brothers and sisters. But today we want to talk about the convergence of the ancient and the modern, the convergence of the ancient and the modern, or the convergence of the traditional and the contemporary uh, is another way that we could put that. And so as uh, as we begin to discuss today's topic, I, I want to share a brief story concerning John Wesley. Now, some of you may recognize John Wesley as the founder of the Methodist Church, or as today is the United Methodist Church. But prior to the Methodist movement and the great revival that followed, John Wesley was an Anglican priest, and he really was an Anglican priest without faith. He was one who knew the Word of God, but was not acquainted with His presence. And I, I guess you could say that he had an intellectual understanding, but he was void of a born-again experience. And so John Wesley, he, he left Europe, came to Georgia, here in the United States, in October of 1735, to become a missionary for the Society of Promoting Christian Knowledge. And so Wesley made contact with the members of the Moravian Church. It was a, a German church. And Wesley was impressed by their faith and their reverence for God, especially their belief that it was normal for a Christian to have assurance of faith. And so the failure of his mission and, and, and then his encounters with the Moravians actually led Wesley to question his own faith. He wrote in his journal, he said, I, I who went to America to convert others was never myself converted to God. He recognized through the witness of the Moravians that he didn't even have a relationship with God himself. And so he recorded in his journal a life-changing experience in his life. And the date in the journal was January 25th, 1736, as he was on board a ship from Europe to America. And the ship that he was on had met a tremendous storm, and there was many on that ship that feared for their lives. And this is what he wrote. He said, at seven, I went to the Germans. I had long before observed the great seriousness of their behavior. Of their humility, they had given a continual proof by performing those servile offices for the other passengers, which none of the English would undertake, for which they desired and would receive no pay, saying it was good for their proud hearts, and their loving Savior had done more for them. And every day had given them occasion of showing a meekness which no injury could move. If they were pushed, struck, or thrown down, they rose again and went away, but no complaint was found in their mouth. John Wesley went on to write, he said, there was now an opportunity of trying. He's talking about the storm and the troubles that they were in. He said, there was now an opportunity of trying whether they were delivered from the spirit of fear 
as well as from that of pride, anger, and revenge. So in the midst of the psalm wherewith their service began, the sea broke over, split the mainsail in pieces, covered the ship, and poured in between the decks as if the great deep had already swallowed us up. A terrible screaming began among the English, but the Germans, he's talking about these Moravians, he said they calmly sung on. I asked one of them afterwards, was you not afraid? And he answered, I thank God, no. I asked, but were not your women and children afraid? And he replied mildly, no, our women and children are not afraid to die. And from them, I went to their crying, trembling neighbors, talking about the English. And I pointed out to them the difference in the hour of trial between him that feareth God and him that feareth him not. And at twelve the wind fell, and this was the most glorious day which I have hitherto seen. So this experience, it stuck with John Wesley. It remained with him, causing him to examine his own life and his lack of true faith in God. As he witnessed people who were facing what very easily could have been their death, he saw, he saw one group of people who were in great fear of losing their life, but yet he saw others who continued in their worship and continued in their faithfulness and were not moved by their circumstances. And it caused him to examine his own life and recognize that he truly had not had a salvation experience. And so this ultimately led to an encounter in May of 1738 as John Wesley was greatly troubled by his own belief. And in his pursuit of God and his study of the scriptures and the hearing of the word of God, he, he wrote these words, about an experience that he had on Aldersgate Street in London as he listened to someone reading from the book of Romans. And this is what he said. He said, about a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt that I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. This was the conversion of experience of John Wesley, a great man of, of faith and a great man that brought revival to the world. But yet he and himself, in his religious experience, realized that he had had a, a, an intellectual knowledge but not a true experience with God. But it was through the faith of others and witnessing their faith in God and seeing how they were not moved by circumstances and served with, with great honor and with great joy and, and with great humility and were able to stand with confidence even in the face of death that led to his own trust in Christ and his own salvation. And so I, I begin with this story because today we want to focus on the convergence of the ancient and the modern, of the old and the new, the traditional and the contemporary. I share this story with you because I know for some of you, you may have never heard this story before, but yet it's such a powerful story of God's power, his, his ability to save and to transform the heart of an individual and, and to bring them from death to life and into a saving knowledge of Jesus. And we're still feeling the impact of this one man's encounter with God even today. So we go back to the beginning of the church. On the day of Pentecost, the church was born, Acts chapter 2. And from the moment 
From that very moment, God's people began to advance the kingdom of God, walking in communion with God and experiencing His presence. Now, I want us to think on these facts. God has been at work among His people for generation after generation. And although there is still more to be discovered, many times we have forgotten, we've never heard of, or we have ignored much of the experiences of past generations. Yes, we're aware of of many of the great revivals over the ages, but what do we really know of the worship, the experiences, the encounters, the revelations of previous generations? What has been incorporated or practiced in our current day? What were the experiences of the saints who preceded us? What was revealed to them through their own personal encounters with God? You see, I want to challenge you in this, that we must recognize and recapture our spiritual heritage, our fathers and mothers who went before us, who walked with God, who knew God, but yet many times in our current day, we cast aside those things of the past, or we have since, or we have forgotten those who went before us. And so I, I want to encourage you today to step outside of your stream, outside of your, your traditions, and begin to explore those Christian and church practices and faith expressions that you're unfamiliar with, both of the ancient and the modern. I'm not saying that you have to add all of these practices into your life, but, but simply to begin to explore them. Because we tend to push away from tradition much of the time because our, in our experience, what we have seen is that, that a lot of things that are considered traditional or ancient, the rituals, the practices, they seem so empty, powerless, meaningless. And honestly, for many of those who practice these things, it may be powerless and meaningless because it has become an empty routine. However, when we begin to honor how God in past generations was operating in these experiences, there were things that had profound impact on the lives of those who were in pursuit of God. And as we begin to explore these things, we may as well find that it expands our understanding and experiences and encounters with God as well. I'll say it to you this way, that that when when these ancient practices began, God was in the midst of it. It was full of the Spirit of God, and people were encountering Him through these experiences in times past. But over time, the things continued to be practiced, but void of the Spirit, void of the reason why they were instituted in the beginning. And so, yes, they become empty. They become powerless and meaningless. But if we can go back and recapture the Spirit of God, recapture what God was doing in that moment when these things were first instituted, when they were first experienced, I believe that there is a wealth of revelation and understanding and of experience that we can step into that that past generations knew, but have been cast aside in the present. So who are the great teachers of the past? What was their understanding of Scripture and of calling and of purpose? What are the teachings that strengthened the people of God over the ages and helped them to navigate the challenges of their hour? You know, in, in my home, I have a collection of sermons on my bookshelf I believe it's over 20 volumes, over 20 large books containing preaching from over 20 centuries of the church. 
I have the complete life works of John G. Lake and Mariah Woodworth Eder and Smith Wigglesworth. I have all of the sermons and journals of John Wesley. I've spent much time reading the works of, of Roberts Lyardon as he is as he has taken the time to to go back and recapture the the experiences and the lives of of many of those who preceded us. I've taken time to read Fox's Book of Martyrs and and those who who gave their lives for the cause of Christ. And just most recently, I've begun studying about the life and spiritual practices of St. Ignatius of Loyola from back in the 1500s and, and learning, learning so much about how they knew God and what they had experienced and looking to see what things I, I, would, I need in my own relationship with God. You see, in all of these books, there are contained the stories, the experiences, the revelations and understanding of people who walk with God prior to us ever coming into this world. We need to realize that we didn't discover God. We are not the first generation to know him, but there's thousands of years of knowledge of God that we would be wise to explore and in many cases, embrace, apply and practice within our own spiritual journey. You know, throughout the ages, people from various streams, mindsets, teachings, practices, they've all had meaningful and powerful encounters with God. And and these encounters have shaped their understanding of God and influenced their words and their actions and their lifestyles and ultimately impacted the church and the culture around them. And when we begin to explore their stories and hear their testimonies and understand what what God was doing in their lifetime, we need to recognize that the door many times is open to us to those same experiences, that God is wanting to open doors to you to experience Him in different ways and different levels that previous generations knew, but because we shut the door somewhere along the way, we've not been able to step in and experience those things for ourselves. But I believe that as we begin to to go and, and learn of how God moved and worked in the lives of, of our of our forefathers, and at times past, we will find an open door to step through and experience Him in ways that we've never known. And really, at the core of much of this is honor, honoring God first and foremost, honoring how God worked, how He worked among His people in generations past. Secondly, honoring fathers and mothers of the faith. And when we choose not to honor, then we've also closed the door on many opportunities of understanding and growth. In this present day, there that we are following many generations of faithful believers who lived for Jesus and built the kingdom before us, our spiritual fathers and mothers. We wouldn't be here today had it not been for those who faithfully walk with God in generations past. So in celebrating our, our history, we honor them. You know, the fifth commandment reminds us to honor our father and mother that it brings a blessing on us when we honor our father and mother. And many times we we think about our biological fathers and mothers, but I believe that there's a blessing that comes on us as well when we begin to honor our spiritual fathers and mothers and those who went before us. And then once as we continue to honor them, as we continue to cherish what God did in their lives, then we must build on what they did and continue to go further. Too many times in the modern church, we strive for new revelation, new understanding, while ignoring and negating the understanding of generations past. So listen very closely. If we want to reach the heights to which God is calling us, 
We must stand on the shoulders of previous generations. We'll never reach the heights to where God wants to take us unless we learn to honor, to cherish, and to build upon what past generations knew and experienced of God. You know, as we read in Hebrews chapter 11, we, we read about the faith of many of those who went before us, who, whose stories are recorded in Scripture. And we're reminded of, of how they knew God, how they walked with God, how they trusted God, and the things that they experienced along the way. And, and they are commended for their faith, and, and their stories are recorded to help us in our own walk, to inspire us and to, to guide us and to show us not only who God is, but show us how, how others have done it, how they've walked with God and, and what they experienced along the way and how we can apply those things, both, both their, their successes and even their failures, how we can learn from their experiences and bring it into our own lives so that we can go farther and experience more and do more in our time. And this is what we're called to. In fact, in Hebrews chapter 12, following this great chapter telling us of those who went before us, we're reminded in Hebrews 12, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. You know, we're supposed to continue to to look to those who went before us and, and admire what they did and learn from their experiences and recognize that we are to pick up the baton and run forward, taking what they experienced and taking their taking their successes and running with those things and continue to press on in our generation to carry out what God began in past generations and to bring it forward into our time until we cross the finish line. There are many who are recorded, and there are many who are not. But throughout the traditions of the church, throughout the stories of past generations, we continue to learn from those who went before us. And so many of their experiences we need in our lifetime. There's no need to go back and to have to learn many of the lessons ourselves. I said many times, there's no need to reinvent the wheel. Why why can't we go and learn from those who preceded us? What did they do? How did they succeed? How did they fail? What mistakes did they make? What things did they get right? And what was their experience with God? Because the door is open for us to walk in, to take these things for ourselves into our present time, and to not have to not have to go back and learn it all on our own. No, there were those who walked before us, and there is an, a great inheritance from our fathers and mothers that they desire so much for us to possess in our lifetime and to build upon and to fulfill our purpose in our generation, to go higher, to go farther, to go deeper than any of those who went before us. So with all that being said, I just want to encourage you today to open your heart, open your mind to receive from many different streams and backgrounds and experiences, to be mindful of how God has worked and moved throughout the generations in ways that maybe, you know, in, in, in streams of faith that maybe we've not, we're not well acquainted with, but yet God has been there. You know, I, for me personally, I was born again in a charismatic Pentecostal church. God moved me into the Methodist church as a Methodist pastor. 
I'm currently a member of the Presbyterian Church, but yet I minister all across the body of Christ in so many different denominational uh, settings, so many different church settings, many that fit within that which is considered traditional and many non-traditional. I travel all around the world and experience worship in many different cultures and people who who have very different uh, different experiences than mine. And in it all, I find that God is there. And there's something of value that I take hold of, and it helps to develop me even more into the person that God desires for me to be and to step into where He wants to take me. And so I encourage you in your own wall, be open. Be open to the experiences of others. Be open to the other, the other more traditional backgrounds, things that maybe, as I said, that you've never stepped into, maybe you've never experienced before. But look for God and what He was doing and the experiences of others and how they came to know Him and begin to apply it into your own life. Allow the Spirit of God to open you up to receive greater revelation and greater understanding so that you can fulfill your calling and your purpose. And so I pray that the Lord would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better and walk in his ways in the days to come and fulfill your purpose and your generation. God bless you all, and I look forward to catching up with you next time. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Convergence International Podcast. We'd also like to invite you to join us on our social media channels on Facebook and Instagram or on our website at convergenceintl.com where you can learn more about Convergence International.